Anytime Rosenberg here with another episode of Rosenballs. We're going to go right into it, talking about the Eastern Conference. The East is no longer the least. This is a deep, deep conference. It used to be, well, at least we originally thought that this was going to be run away by the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets, um, though, don't look like they have the thick armor that they did initially. And it's a twofold result, right? One of it is due to Kyrie obviously not being there. That's had kind of a toll on the team. And the other big thing is, you know, Harden a little out of shape, but also not clearly the the number one talent he once was due to the new NBA rules and probably also due to him now clearly taking a backseat. And that impacted, you know, granted he looked good spurts last year, but it's very clear KD's the alpha, and Harden or KD got to figure that out. I, I still wouldn't want to play them in a seven-game series, but Brooklyn doesn't seem like that, that clear of a favorite. Let's break down the East. It is deep. And for me, there's still kind of two tiers of teams. You still have, I would say, your Tier 1 teams, which still, even though it's really deep, I'd still probably think... Uh, you have to go through, you're going to have to go through one of these teams to win the conference, right? So in that first tier, it's still Brooklyn. I'm going to put Miami now in that tier. All right, so, you know, Miami uh, clearly has a great start to the season. They lost to Boston in the night, but again, Boston playing with some gusto after the Marcus Smart uh, incident. We had that other previous pot as Boston burning. It looks like they're trying to take the flame out. But Miami's in that mix. You're going to have to go through Brooklyn and Miami. Who's next? Milwaukee. Milwaukee's probably in that group right now. Um, obviously, the prior winners now. Look, Milwaukee also lost a, a little bit. Um, I think losing P.J. Tucker hurts a, a, a little. Um, and then we're going to see how, how deep they really are. And people, can they really build a wall with Giannis and, and all that? And also, like, let's just be realistic. You know, Milwaukee had a tough time in, against Atlanta. And, you know, Brooklyn was, was really hurt and they had a tough time in that series. They, they got by. If everyone's healthy this time around, do, do things change? And I would say that's clearly the Tier 1 right now, it looks like, right? But the Tier 2 is growing, talented, and could dethrone teams in Tier 1. They have to go through them, but they could dethrone And there's a wide mix of teams in Tier 2. I'm going to go through them. And I'm going to start with a few surprises. So Toronto jumps up. And the reason why Toronto jumps up is they're insanely deep. So post the Lowry deal, now they get uh, Drogic and Precious Anchua. So now they have some depth at one, filled by Lowry, but also depth at, at the big man spot. Uh, then, obviously, Garrett Trent Jr. is progressing. And this is kind of the theme of Toronto. They have progressing pieces, pieces that are constantly improving, and they have tremendous length and guys that could, I guess we always talk about this, flexible defensive uh, abilities, number one. But then you guys you guys have guys who could create a little bit and shoot. So Garrett Trent Jr. is there. O.J. Anunoby. O.J. Anunoby continues to improve. Um, you know, Scotty Barnes is probably right now your rookie of the year. Okay, Siakam is coming back. Chris Boucher is there. And all of a sudden, you look at this team, you're like, wait, what if, you know, we have a, a solid 7-8-man rotation. 
and it's growing. So look, there's still probably quote unquote tier two now, but like as these guys evolve and these guys grow, and that can happen over the course of the season. Oh, by the way, I still haven't mentioned Fred Van Fleet. You go over the course of the season, uh, that team could, could improve quicker than you realize. So you have a starting lineup of basically just great fl- defensive flexibility and offensive and flexibility. You don't know where the offense is coming from. Van Fleet, Trent Jr., OG, Scotty Barnes, and he threw in a, a Siakam, Chris Boussier, Prentice Anchua, and, and Goran Dragic off the bench. It is a deep, deep team. Uh, they, if they make a couple moves in the offseason, you get a veteran here, a veteran there, you go, you're have to go after Dylan Brooks or Kyle Anderson or someone like that. That could be the bubble Miami Heat team. So that's the team that's threatening right now in Tier 2. A couple other teams that I haven't even started out well. Another one to me is Indiana still. So in Indiana, if they, Indiana's just about health. If they can get healthy... They have a deep physical team. So, in the NBA, sometimes it's a blessing. When there's an early injury, you allow a rookie or someone off the bench to really portray their, their, their big skill set. That happened with Chris Stewart, and it continues to happen with O'Shea Brissett. So, both those two guys who would probably, you know, be smaller pieces in the playoff series now have the confidence to be one of the main guys during stretches of the season because they've, they've done that in the beginning of the year. Uh, but you're bringing back Karis Silver, who's the main piece here. Right? Karis Silver is one of the most underrated two-way players in the league. T.J. Warren needs to get healthy, which is a huge if, if he does. He's the guy that can slow down other big forwards and can shoot, obviously. And he still have Turner and Sabonis. Uh, and then Malcolm Brogdon has to get healthy, but if he comes back, then he gets some health. So again, and with Carlisle coach, it looks pretty good. But let's play. Show me your playoff rotation. Again, you got Brogdon, Levert, Chris Dewart, uh, Sabonis, and Turner off the bench. Then you would have T.J. Warren. Still got a Holiday. Still got Lamb. Uh, still got O'Shea Brissett. Probably play a little T.J. McConnell. That's a nice timing rotation. So Indiana is in the mix. And when I say the mix, they could finish sixth or, or fifth or whatever. But again... They have an outside chance of winning the conference. I know that sounds crazy because any of these teams could beat anyone. If there's an injury here or there, if they do the right uh, mid-season pickup, all these teams can kind of emerge. But there's, there's, there's a really small room for error amongst these teams, and that includes with the injuries as well. Again, though, you're going to have to go through any of these teams in Tier 2. Can't do it. They're just going to have to go through one of the three teams in Tier 1. What's another team? Atlanta. Atlanta is still in there. They're still viable. The issue with Atlanta still comes down to rotation, which is the theme with with the next few teams. So McMillan realized last year, you know, when you had a clean rotation of basically Young, Bogey, Cam, Reddish, Collins, and um, Capella to start with, you know, a nice clean Gallo, Lou Will. I get a a spacer here, a spacer there. Tony Stell's gone, but Solomon Hill can play that role. Uh, Kevin Herter off the bench. Starts to make some sense. It's a nice, solid rotation. The, the DeAndre Hunter kind of... The DeAndre Hunter-Collins, I would say, Cam Reddish issue uh, hurts the team more than helps. And that's a weird thing to say because Hunter's a talent, um, obviously. 
but they, they need to figure that out. They're not going to win unless they really clean that rotation. And they just signed Collins long-term. Uh, Hunter's there. Reddish is there. They're going to have to consolidate those guys and get a better piece. Um, at least a piece that makes more sense. Um, I don't know what they do with Collins. Uh, at this stage, they obviously keep him. Um, but, but, again, Reddish is probably a guy you want to keep. But then what are you getting for Hunter? So, look, if they can consolidate those three, get a two-way small forward, that sounds great. question is who that guy is. OG Adobe would be perfect. That makes no sense. Why would there would be some in-conference trading if, they, if Toronto feels like they can make a run? So, a little mixy at this point. Um, but, but yeah, they're going to have to eventually solve for that. Be curious when and, and, and how. Um, the next team, very similar. And that sounds crazy, the Celtics. So the Celtics have the talent right now, right? I think they were taking some steps. Uh, but the issue, we talked about this with the last pod. They're, they're looking a little better after the win in Miami. And they can get there as long as Emma Aduka figures out how to run this rotation. You can't start two bigs. Williams has got to come off the bench. To me, there's a very clear eight-man rotation here that works, right? And, and there's, there's a couple ways you can mix it around. So you can do something like the safest bet, quite frankly, is probably just do Smart, Naismith, Tatum, Brown, Robert Williams. Uh, or sorry, even start out Horford, rather. Get some, a little bit of a more of a playmaker and spacer in the starting lineup. And then have... Um, Peyton Pritchard, Langford. Um, well, the problem is Pritchard, Schroeder, Langford, and 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 uh, Robert Williams off the bench making clean eight-man rotation. Josh Richardson's got to get out of the rotation; just doesn't fit really. Uh, and I don't, and the question then is Peyton Pritchard. Now you've you've really decreased his value. He's completely out of the rotation as well. Again, there's a lot of mixes you could do around here. You could start Peyton Pritchard with Naismith. Brown, Tatum, Horford. Now you keep Schroeder off the bench. Marcus Smart is there. And then Lakeford's kind of out of the rotation. You got it. But the idea is if if they could pick, I feel like Naismith needs to start. And then you decide between uh, Lakeford and Pritchard who's in and who's out. And they got to firm that up. But once they do that, I think they have a good rotation. Lakeford has shown he's approving defensively. Uh, they have tremendous spacing now. Lakeford's a good shooter. Pritchard could shoot. Naismith could shoot. But the youth's got to play. Two out of three have to be in the rotation. And if the third one isn't in it, they got to move on from that player. And with all these teams, it's going to be a lot about the midseason deals. You know, who does what? Who, who kind of ships some youth package early to make a run is going to be an interesting question. Let's keep going. The New York Knicks are also in this tier two. Knicks look good off the gate. They slowed down a little bit. Um, taking a lot of pull-up threes, as the doctor would tell us. The, the issue, again, comes down to rotation. So I don't think Campbell Walker is kind of Alfred Payton 2.0. Um, what I mean by that is that he hurts them more than he helps. A little bit true he could space. I think they would have been better off, kept saying this, if they started IQ, see what he could do, let Rose come off the bench, um, Burks come off the bench, Toppin, have a clean eight-man rotation, 
and then and then have their starters um, with Barrett, Randall, Fournier, etc. They'll get there. They'll be fine. They have they have a lot of talent, but again, what they're doing similar to Boston, it kind of Atlanta a little bit. You're kind of squandering your youth. So if you're not going to play them and not going to increase their value, you're not going to be able to do that February deadline deal that these teams all need to do to make a run. And when I say that, like like the new Jay Crowder, if you will, Jay Crowder was to Miami in that bubble season. You have Kyle Anderson, Dylan Brooks, who seem who seem available that you can make a move for. So that's what those guys need to do. We're not done though with tier two. We're not done. That's how deep this tier two is. The Chicago Bulls. I was skeptical on the Bulls. I think rightfully so. There's one basketball. How are they going to share it? But at a some at a certain point, um, there's just an overwhelming amount of talent. So Lonzo Ball, Lonzo Ball has drastically improved, which is fantastic. Um, the other really, really good thing is, you know, DeRozan is, continues to mature. He's a good spacer and all that, which is great. Uh, then you have Vucevic is doing his stuff offensively. Uh, Patrick Williams is emerging, even though he got hurt. Um, and their bench isn't, isn't getting destroyed, which is also positive. Alex Caruso has stepped up a lot. They had some impressive wins, including in Boston, which caused the whole chaotic period. Now, look, I don't think the Bulls' run is going to be sustainable. I think they're going to disappoint. I do. Um, But right now, they're looking to be in that tier two. Now, again, how do they emerge? Um, Now, there's there's a couple of ways, right? They have to do the February uh, trade deadline deal. They need to find a way to to mix it up and off the bench. And I think the Bulls will do that. Uh, they clearly are motivated to make a run. I'm not just saying that out of nowhere. I'm saying that based on the deals they did in the offseason. So they're probably going to be more aggressive than others to do the February deadline to ensure they can make a conference run. Right? So that's uh, that's the big, big concern there with the Bulls. And again, I... I don't think they're as good as the other two two teams. I just think they're more less averse to risk, and thus they're going to make a, a, a move as they've done these past trade deadlines uh, to make that run. I think Kobe White could be on the move. I could see something like that. Kyle Anderson and Dylan Brooks would be perfect for them. Again, just solidifying a seven-man rotation. But let's see what Chicago does. We're not done with tier two. That's how deep it is. We'll throw in the Charlotte Hornets in this tier. Now, they teeter the tier. They teeter it. They teeter it. Um, But, yeah, they're in it. And the reason why they're in it is because they have a clean rotation now. Um, They look like an early kind of favorite. Ball's really evolved in the second season. And it's a little incremental wins that they've got as a team. So having a lot of that makes a lot of sense. Plumlee, P.J. Washington, Bridges is emerging. Gordon Hayward, if he's healthy. And Ball, that's as good as the starting five is going to get in the Eastern Conference if they're healthy, which is a big if. Um, then you, you have key pieces off the bench. Uh, it's a nice, solid team. You know, but again, like, a lot of that is health. They're probably more dependent on health, and a lot of that is the emergence of, of a ball. Uh, are we done with Tier 2? Yeah, we are. Washington is not in it. That's crazy. They just have a lot of chuckers. I think they're a little fun team. They have no shot of winning the conference 
at this point, no shot. But it's rare that you have that many teams in Tier 2 that I would say each one has above a, one, a, a 3 to 5% chance of winning the conference. It doesn't sound like a lot, but, like, those things hit. And, and, and no one's really that overwhelming, right? So, like, maybe Brooklyn, uh, Milwaukee, and Miami combined for 25% shot. Now, then the 75 is split between somewhat evenly between what it sounds like nine teams. Let's go through them, right? We just did Indiana, um, Atlanta, Boston, New York, Chicago, Toronto, Charlotte. That's seven. And I feel like I missed someone. Um, so that's seven after the top three. So it's probably so seven to split seventy-five was that ten ten percent each? That's no, probably not the case. So maybe the first three have a thirty-three percent chance, um, and then and then you split the last seven have like a sixty-six. Still pretty close, a seven to nine percent each. I mean, like they all really have somewhat of a chance. A lot of this is going to be due to playoff situations: who plays who, who gets injured, obviously, and. Who actually has the balls to make a February trade deadline deal? Um, it, it, it's it's really really tight, and it, it, this is great. The, the parity of the NBA hasn't been this close in a long time. I would say it's comparable to the early 2000s when the East was wide open. Obviously, the Nets and Pistons hadn't won it, but the Celtics were in the conference finals. I had a couple of teams that really Philadelphia was was still decent. I mean, a lot in Milwaukee. You had teams that were sniffing around here and there. The difference between then and now is it's actually good. Then it was just bad. So you had a lot of bad teams that were kind of in the mix. This is a great Eastern Conference. And and it's deep AF. Um, I still think Brooklyn is probably going to figure it out. They just have too much talent. But um, and there's a couple dark horses there, right? Toronto, we just talked about. C- could make that run. Let me know what you think. Curious um, who, who makes that final run. And who wins the East. But uh, it's never been this deep. Never been this deep before. Everyone have a great one.